Welcome to Chapter by Chapter. I am your host, Brian Thomas Krop, and I believe that stories have a tremendous power for good, so I write them and I enjoy sharing them with you. If you are new to the podcast, uh, in just a moment, you'll hear a chapter out of a book that I have written. Uh, it's called Shell Game. And then after that chapter is over, then we'll look into some of the whys behind. I How did I? Boy, that was English. Yes, I'm a writer of things. Uh, we'll look into like how the, the chapter got written or if there are any Easter eggs or other experiences, that kind of stuff that informed the book. This is particularly interesting if you are someone who really likes behind-the-scenes uh, material or to find out how things are made. So I am one of those weirdos, and so this podcast is designed that way. It's designed for me. Isn't that nice to know? They say in all of the marketing uh, stuff that you should never make it about you. You should always make it about the other person. But at some point when you're making things, you kind of have to use yourself as a barometer. And so, you know, it's just me in a room right now. So there you go. Well, that's not true. I've got my daughter in here as well. She, this is her first time to be sort of on the podcast, um, but she's not really in the podcast. But you can imagine her in the background. She's laying down. I'm not sure why. But there you go. Uh, let's see where we are. Uh, the book is Shell Game, and this is chapter 23. We're almost, almost halfway through, I think, maybe a little bit past halfway. Uh, and we're in the thick of it. Uh, this is a crime uh, noir detective story where Evan Gold is our primary detective, and he is in trouble. He is assumed to be the killer of these two people by the police, and he's trying to find out who actually killed them so that he does not go away to prison. Along the way, he has run into this mysterious pearl-like thing that it heats up and cools down at will, seemingly, and seems to be talking to uh, Evan in his brain, and so... Part of him doesn't know if he's crazy or not. At the same time, his business is going under and his marriage is on the rock. So he's trying to sort of hold his whole life together. And we've been in sort of a long, longer sequence of um, scenes over the last several episodes of a long night. And this is uh, after uh, they have uh, he and his client, Claire, have been trying to um, uh, sort of know where where what all the moving pieces are. There's just been this weird guy named Harold Huber and, um, he, I guess, well, I don't want to give too much away. You should go to past episodes and find out what happened with Harold Huber just a couple of chapters ago, but the police came, we'll put it that way. And, uh, they have recently left, but not before one of the police officers punched Evan in the face. And this has left Evan just a little bit out of sorts, uh, which is where we pick up with this chapter, uh, which we will do right after we hear from this week's sponsors. This episode is also sponsored by Showdown in the Yukon, the first book in the Pearl Saga. It is a story of Monterey Jack Danvers, who is a reformed pickpocket who is hired by his old partner in crime to help rescue a uh, stolen 
gold claim up in the Yukon Territory for a widow. He also finds the widow's daughter quite attractive, and that helps him go on this adventure that takes him on uh, stormy seas, through caves, through forest fires, and being hunted down um, in forests, and all kinds of uh, great adventure. And the big question is, Will they be able to uh, rescue this gold mine, uh, this gold claim back from the evil man who uh, took it from this poor widow woman? And then what kind of man does Monterey Jack Danvers turn into by the end of uh, the story? It is also the prelude to uh, Shell Game Part 2 of the Pearl Saga. And you can find Showdown in the Yukon at amazon.com. You can also find the links uh, to that over at briantomascrop.com. Chapter 23. Evan stormed straight to the bathroom, rubbing his jaw the whole way. Claire clasped her hands together and followed him. Why did they come here, Evan? Claire asked. Evan didn't acknowledge her. He turned his face to the left and right in the mirror, double-checking to see if there was any lasting damage from Bobby Short's sucker punch. Thinks he can slug me and get away with it? Evan muttered to no one. Thinks that because he... that he walks the streets with a badge that that gives him a right to... Evan slammed his fist on the porcelain basin, causing the surrounding toiletries to jump in surprise. His eyes shifted to Claire, who was still standing in the doorway and twisting her hands. I'll tell you, it's not in me not to fight back. It's not the way things are done. I mean, a guy takes a cheap shot, you gotta do something. Evan clicked off the bathroom light and brushed past Claire on the way back to the living room. I knew I had pressed him too far. I knew I had been too cute. I let my mouth get the better of me, but I couldn't hit back. Not a cop. I had to stand there and take it. Claire watched him standing in the middle of the room, grinding his teeth and rolling his fingers in and out of a fist. I want to know what sort of game you're playing, Evan, Claire said, keeping her distance. I can't have the police on to me. You said you'd protect me from them, and then they come here for no reason. You're taking a lot of risks, and it's risks with my safety. You shouldn't play so carelessly with the police like that. Go raise too much attention. But see, that's what he wanted, Evan said, not listening. He wanted me to hit him back. That's his game. He wanted me to slip up, to end up in the slammer. I had to take it. I had to. What are you talking about, Claire said, taking a few hesitant steps toward Evan. You're worrying me, Evan. Evan suddenly shook his head before walking a complete circle around the room, muttering to himself. Besides, I had things wrapped up at the door until... He stopped short and turned all of his attention on Claire. Why couldn't you two keep it together for one more minute? Claire's lips moved minutely, but her voice made no sound. I almost had them on their way. What actually happened between you two, anyway? Claire turned slowly away from him. N nothing, really... You went to the door. We talked briefly. I, I don't know what happened. I think Harold must have got spooked, panicked, and cried out. Evan's eyes narrowed and he crossed his arms. So was it before or after he screamed that you hit him with the gun? What a, what a thing to accuse me of. He then pulled Harold's snub nose from his trousers pocket, absent-mindedly placing it on the flowerless table. It's the only thing available that can make a cut like that on his cheek. You're not wearing any rings, and we both know anything, Harold said, was hooey. Claire quickly closed the distance between them. You have to believe me. She searched his eyes for any sign of understanding or mercy. It wasn't like that. 
He's not right in his mind. You saw that. We were talking. He got spooked and he attacked me. I had to do something. Oh, please don't be angry with me, Evan. I don't know if I could take it if you were mad at me. Her voice changed to the whimpering coo of a child caught with stolen candy. She rested her head on his shoulder. Evan took Claire by the shoulders and held her at arm's length. He looked at her sad, wet eyes, eyes full of fear and misery. Evan clucked his tongue and said, I have to tell you, Miss Porter, you have skills. You have the skills of the best con artists. You take whatever material is available to paint a new reality, and you have the common decency to believe your story. That takes commitment. But I have to tell you, you don't know what you're doing. I don't know what or who you're afraid of, but you need to come clean with me before it gets you hurt, and I mean for good. Claire slipped out of Evan's grasp and walked to the fireplace. She held her face in her hands. Without turning to Evan, she whispered, I'm sorry. Then louder, I think I'm just in over my head. I trust you. Believe me. I trust you. I trust you more than any man I've ever known. But I've been lying so long about so many things. I don't know if I could tell you the whole truth about anything. Evan relaxed his shoulders and let out a long breath. He sat on the arm of the sofa and smoothed back his hair. Well, we have this going for us. You've met with Huber, so I fully ruled out this. Whatever is going on is not about your long-lost father or the unfortunate end of your boyfriend. Claire turned to refute this claim, but Evan quickly cut her off. Sorry, not boyfriend. Business partner. The good news for both of us is that now you can come clean with what this is really about. Claire turned back to the fireplace. Let's start with tonight, Evan said. What were you and Harold talking about that caused all the ruckus? Evan asked. It took a few seconds, but slowly Claire turned to face Evan and sat in the armchair. I met Harold in Colorado. Both of us were just two-bit hustlers trying to find a meal. His standards are better than mine, and he showed me how to play wealthier people. I was already involved with Jason at this point, and I introduced the two of them. Anyway, we were hired to work a simple heist. At least that's what we were told. All we were to grab was a very rare pearl. We weren't told who it was for or why it needed to be stolen. I'm ashamed to say that the money looked good enough, so I didn't ask any questions. Everything went fine in the heist, just a quick in and out, but it got lost before we could get it to Harold. Harold swears I stole it, but I didn't. You must know that. I didn't. But I got scared, so Jason and I split up and skipped town, agreeing to end up here. She wiped the tears from her cheeks. So while you were talking with the police at the door, he kept pressing me and pressing me. Where is it? Where is it? He even drew that silly gun on me. I panicked. I didn't know what to do. I don't know why I did it. I wasn't thinking. I lunged at him, somehow got the gun away from him, and hit him across the face with it. He cried and bumped the table, which broke your vase. Evan looked at her. So you blew your chance to finish talking with him? To convince him of your honesty? Claire looked back at Evan. He rose to the telephone and picked up the receiver. I could call him back here so you two could wrap things up. Please don't she said as she lunged at the phone. Evan placed the receiver back in the phone's cradle. Listen, your safety, if that's what you're concerned with, is directly related to how much truth you tell me. I can't help you if my hands are tied, especially if I don't know they're tied. You need to come clean with me. I need to know what happened. Claire's mouth formed a tight smile, and she said, 
I'm tired. It can wait. I think it would be better maybe if I went home, got some rest, and we did this again in the morning. She took a step to get past Evan, but he also took a step back, placing his large frame between her and the door. You tell a good story, but I can't let you go, Evan said. Not yet. I'm not kidding. I need to know what I'm dealing with here. Please, Evan, she said. If I told you everything, it would take hours. I've got nothing but time, Evan said. I can put the coffee on and we can watch the sunrise while you tell me your story of hardship and heartbreak. So what? Now my protector has become my captor, Claire said. Evan tilted his head to one side. You make an interesting point. Maybe I should let you go. After all, there's that woman out there. She seemed to give you and Harold the jeebies. You could go out there and take your chances with her or whatever boogeyman is out there. Or you could stay here and we play story time. The rate of Claire's breathing increased as she looked to the window. Of course, at this hour, she said. And with the visit by the police, how do we know that woman is still out there? That's right, Evan arched his eyebrows in mock playfulness. We don't. Let's take a gander, shall we? Evan walked over to the window and pulled back the drape's corner to get a good look. If Miss Bacall was still out there, she had decided to conceal her position, which didn't fit her style. Seems like you're off the hook, kitten. The bogey woman's packed it in for the night, Evan said. He turned back around and saw Claire standing just as he had left her, but also that her right hand clasped Harold's snub nose, pointing it to the floor. Evan smiled. I should tell you, I've already taken the bullets out of the gun. He approached Claire and quietly, smoothly removed the gun from Claire's limp and clammy hand. He guided her back to the sofa. You sit here. Get your color back. I'm going to make us some coffee, good old cold black diner coffee, and we'll go over the story as many times as it takes till we get to the truth. How's that? Claire nodded slightly. Evan walked to the kitchen. I think you'll feel better getting this whole thing off your chest. Well, at least if nothing else, this is the first time in the story we get to see Evan Gold lose his cool, which is always kind of fun. Someone who's tried to maintain some kind of decorum for, um, I guess, around his uh, customers and the people in his life that um, Bobby Short could finally get the best of him and get him kind of rattled is kind of fun. Um, also, uh, I was speaking about this a couple of chapters ago, um, but one of the, the things that I started with was not in this book, just in writing in general, was dialogue and the writing of plays and scripts. And one of the things that I enjoy in writing dialogue is broken sentences, because often that is how we speak when we're not prepared to talk uh, to people. So being able to kind of break up his sentences as he's sort of thinking and talking at the same time, and then uh, Claire is interrupting and trying to make sense out of this, um, that was just kind of fun uh, to write. Uh, more in line of how would I hear it as opposed to what would make sense, if that that probably doesn't make any sense at all. Um, but anyway, that's sort of what was going on there. Um, I think what is... Uh, Interesting about this chapter and um, at least the next couple of chapters, <clears throat> we started this very long sequence of events that is this night at uh, Evan's apartment back when uh, he uh, 
is trying to get a hold of Harold Huber. I can't remember how many chapters ago now that is. Uh, and he couldn't find him at the hotel, but he's got Claire with him. And they arrive back at his apartment. They run into his wife outside. And then they sit around and chat. He and uh, Claire for a minute before Harold shows up, before the police show up. And then uh, the, that's where we, we are, are at this moment. And... Um, this is kind of a long sequence as we go through the next couple of chapters to sort of see what makes Claire tick. And what is interesting most to me about her is that uh, she is uh, she's a compulsive liar and um, she can't help herself from lying. And though she is not based on anybody I know, I remember uh, a friend of mine uh, from uh, college that, you know, over time discovered this person is a compulsory liar. They just have a hard time telling the truth, uh, f- I think, as a game. I don't know that it was um, necessarily trying to be mean or get away with stuff. They just had a hard time telling the truth. To the point, I remember um, there was one bit where they had told some far-flung story and were very, very proud of themselves when it turned out that the far-flung story they told could be verified and was uh, found out to be an actual truth. Like they were saying, look, see, I did it. I actually actually told the truth. You didn't think I had it in me, but there you go. Um, I don't know what it is in some people that they can't quite tell the truth or um, particularly in in uh, helping scenarios like I imagine that this would be true of a psychologist or a psychiatrist where uh, somebody goes to them wanting help in some kind of life issue and then just has an inability to either be honest with themselves or honest with the counselor about what's going on. And so they're always shielding things, trying to make themselves look better and never get the help that they want. I imagine it happens in that capacity. I know it happens in the pastoral capacity uh, as one in the daylight hours um, that I don't know if it's a thing of, well, if I if I don't come completely honest to the pastor, then maybe God doesn't find out what the truth is. And then I don't know. It's weird. And so a lot of counseling scenarios is asking Questions to get behind what is being presented to discover what's really going on so that the person can get help. And if somebody's lying all the time, it makes it so much harder. Um, so if you find yourself in a scenario, uh, should I tell the truth or not tell the truth? Tell the truth. Um, it's a lot better. Plus, uh, to quote uh, one of my favorite movies, which I've probably quoted several times on this uh, podcast already, which is Glengarry Glen Ross. Um, there's a scenario where uh, a real estate office has been broken into and the police are there to investigate to see if any of the salesmen have stolen what was stolen. And this uh, one guy is really nervous to go and talk to the police because he's really nervous. And uh, the advice that he gets from another uh, salesman is just just tell the truth uh, because it's the easiest thing to remember, uh, which is true. Uh, So if you're ever in that scenario, just tell the truth, Uh, even if it makes you look bad. uh, It is it is helpful, particularly in uh, places where you're trying to get help, um, which I think Claire is probably in that position. She wants help 
and she knows that if she tells the truth, it might put her in a bad light, and she wants uh, not to do that. So don't let pride get the better of you. Uh, that's sort of what we have uh, for this episode. I know this is probably a little bit more on the short side of things, but trust me, the next chapter is a doozy. So hang out. Uh, we'll see you back here uh, for that one. But between now and then, uh, go check out all the things over at BrianThomasCrop.com. Uh, there you can sign up for my reader list. You can find out all the books that I have available for purchase over on Amazon.com. Uh, I would also appreciate uh, if you would leave a rating and review over there, wherever you're listening to this, as well as over on Amazon. If you have uh, purchased Shell Game and have read it, I would love to know uh, what your thoughts are, are over there. Um, but for any of the books that I've written, you can do that. Also, I've been uh, mentioning this over the past couple of weeks, but I'll uh, put another plug out there, and it'll be in the show notes as well. But I have an alter ego pseudonym of Paul Christopher, who uh, he's over there writing not really books. Uh, I've got a doodle book where if you like to sketch stuff and kind of uh, relax your brain that way, I've got a doodle book over there. Um, and you see there's uh, a nonogram puzzle book. I'll just let you uh, search nonograms and figure that one out. It's it's a fun uh, puzzle book, uh, but also some quarterly planners so that if you're trying to set goals and make progress in your life, I've got a set of four of those. All of those are under the name Paul Christopher. What's fun is if you search Amazon for Paul Christopher, you get a ni- you get a guy named Christopher Paul who's written all kinds of other books that are not the ones that I have. So you might have to dig a little bit to find them. I'm not that popular. <laughs> Go figure. Anyway, uh, that is uh, the show for this week, and I hope you have a good one. We'll see you back here next time.